morning. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see everyone here today worshiping. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings, so I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And uh, let's go ahead and return thanks on our offering this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of giving back to you because your word says that this gospel will be preached in all of the world, then the end shall come. And we know that that's happening, that every ethnicity, every nation, every country has missionaries laboring and preaching the word of God. And so we want to be a part of that as well. So receive our offerings, O oh God, and bless the gift and the giver as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to remind you that it's the last Sunday of the month, so we're going to be receiving a missions offering um, after our announcements. But before we get there, um, I do want to let you know that we don't have a piano player anymore, and I believe the miracle's in the house. And so if you're here and you know how to play the piano, don't be shy about it. Come and talk to us. We'd love to get you connected to our worship team. I want to thank everybody that helped us out with our Adopt-A-Highway program. We picked up two miles of road out here after the winter trash. Um, crazy, a lot, a lot of garbage out there, and I don't understand why people put garbage out there anyways. Inexcusable. Let's go ahead and ask blessing on the missions offering. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to give to the 41 missionaries that we support and missions programs that we support, men and women serving you all over the globe. And we pray uh, not only for this offering, but we pray that as this offering makes its way into their hands, that you would bless their ministry with fruitfulness. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So uh, we just had youth convention and we had some of our youth go off to convention and it's a very important time in their life and there's a couple of them that are going to share this morning. Um, so I'm going to ask TJ to come. Uh, and again, I want to encourage you. Never, never, hold your, never hold your young people from going to camp or convention or kids camp or things like that because God does move. Kids get saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get called into full-time ministry. Crazy things happen. So, TJ. Oh, man. All right. I was told I was quiet last time, so I'm speaking directly into the microphone. Anyways, um, so, yeah, like Ian said, we went on youth convention. What a time it was. Um, we had, like, when we first got there, he, um, the first night, it was Thursday night, he um, asked everyone to come up to the front to just worship the Lord, and I don't know what came over me, but I just, like, hopped over my seat and ran up there, because we were all the way in the back, and in, at that time, I was feeling really, really down and kind of a dark place, and I just felt the presence of the Lord and for the very first time, he spoke to me that night. So that was amazing. Yeah. And I was going to say something else. I don't know. I forget it now. <laughs> um, what was it? Friday night was an awesome night. I just could not stop dancing. Even when we got in the van, I kept vibing in. <laughs> dancing in my seat. Yeah, what a time it was. Worship was amazing. The the speakers were incredible. They, uh, they were really good at what they did. And uh, whoever's next up, you can come on up. AJ. Hey, I'm AJ. Um, I'm Rainy Merriman's son, for those of you who don't know me. Um, and I was just going to talk about uh, Friday night. Um, so Friday night was a really just a night of healing, a night of um, just God's presence. Um, there were people who 
had sleep paralysis and strokes and just stuff that doctors could not figure out or figure out how to fix. Um, so our district youth pastor and um, the Alabama DYD uh, came up and were like, hey, is, anybody, uh, that, is there anybody that needs prayer for health and for their, their mind? And there was people coming up all over the place. All the youth leaders were praying for them. Everybody was just getting just washed with the presence of God. And I believe that there was so many people that got healed that night. Um, it, was, it was just amazing to see people dancing and being prayed for and just, just coming closer to God like that. Um, all right, Juliana. Hi, I'm Juliana. Uh, this is my second youth convention, and I gotta say it was just as fun as the first one. Um, at the okay, first off, there were so many poop jokes. They somehow were able to tie poop jokes into ministry, and that was an amazing moment. Very inspirational. Um, uh, on the Saturday morning. Um, the youth district director for Northern New England, Travis, he asked us to stand up and say, here I am. And I stood up saying, here I am. And then Travis said, come to the front if you stood up. So I come to the front. And uh, next he said, you are all missionaries now. And I said, no, thank you. Because <laughs> I was not ready for that. I thought about it because there through the whole thing, you have, like, North Point and Bible colleges coming and trying to get you to go there. I'm like, eh, it's not really for me. And so when he said that, I wanted to sit back down, but he looked me dead in the eyes and it was said that, you're not sitting down now. You chose this. And I'm like, dang it. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess I'm, I'm going to go to my school and, like, talk about it because I haven't done it yet. Um, but, like, moments where I was worshiping and I got to pray over people that I didn't even know and made new friends. And it was so amazing. Like I had this one point where my hands were shaking so much cause they hurt cause I was holding them up for so long. Then all of a sudden, like the pain just went away. My knees buckled from out underneath me. Like thankfully I got onto a chair, but like I was just, I was just at peace and it was amazing uh, experience. So thank you. Telling poop jokes at convention. I don't know. I think that's crappy. <laughs> Patrick. Good morning, church. So the youth convention was a great experience, and there were two nights that actually stood out to me. The first one was Friday night. They had it where all the youth leaders came up, and... Their job was to pray over us, and I had five different people pray over me. And after that, until 12 at mid until midnight, my knees after that were weak. I felt like I was going to fall. Then the second, then the second one was Saturday. We were we had it that like Juliana said, where we had to stand up and we come to the altar, and. What happened was people. I saw people, groups of people praying over each other, people breaking down and groups of people coming and praying to them. And it was a reminder to me, and I think it was a reminder to a lot of people, that even though whatever 
lines we go through, party lines, whatever our beliefs are, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are brothers and sisters in God's eyes. And I hope you all have a great service. The pastor has something good in store for you. It's really life-changing. Have a great day, church. And uh, lastly, Jasper. All right. Good morning. Um, all right. So I know that some people are possibly going to look at me different after I say what I'm going to say. But um, hi, I'm Jasper. I'm 13. And um, before I went to youth convention, I was a self-proclaimed atheist, and it was in a really hard place in my life, and I didn't know why. I was just always in a bad mood. I was, I, I lost my faith. I lost all of my faith in the Lord, but something kept telling me to go on Sundays, keep going to youth group, and I don't know why, because like I said, I was an atheist, and um when I got the paper for youth convention, something was just telling me to go. I felt like that I, I, I needed to go because I knew that something was going to happen. And um, the first night, I met some really great people who impacted my life in a huge way. Um, I reconnected with some, with some friends that I haven't talked to in months. I see you, TJ. <laughs> um, um, the second night was a really powerful night for me. I had like six people around me praying for me and I just felt an overwhelming sense of relief, like a burden was lifted off of me and I felt clarity, I guess. Um, I realized in that moment that I was once again God's child and that I'll always be and um, it really changed me. I don't know how I could ever thank Genesis, Zach, Eli, Pastor, um, and plenty of other people for helping me know that I was God's child and that I will always be. I, um, I very rarely say this, but um, this message is, uh, there's, there's something to this message I want to share with you this morning that I, I don't say this often, um, but th this can be life-changing for a lot of you that are here. If you like really listen and really hear what God has for you this morning, this can change the trajectory of your life, especially if you're wrestling with different things. Um, but um, I was talking to my son this week, uh, he's out in California, and we were talking about like my arrangements when my time comes, and he was like, well, dad, do you want to be cremated or do you want to be buried? And I was like, surprise me. Um, so, and then, uh, and then I was thinking about this earlier before I married Darlene when I was, you know, dating around. Um, women would always compliment me on my waist, I never figured that out, but um, like I would talk to them for 10 minutes, and when I would walk away, I'd always hear them say, what a waste. Uh, there, uh, there was a, a guy I know, and he called me the other day, and he said, my wife was on eBay all day yesterday, and I don't know what to do. And I said, lower the price. Um, so anyways, uh, I want to talk to you this morning about righteous anger. Um, a, a lot of times, like, we think anger is, like, a bad thing, and there's some contexts where not only is it not a bad thing, but it's the right thing, and it's the only thing. Um, and so when I was thinking about that, this picture came to my mind. <laughs> this is the slap heard around the world. Uh, this was for a week where America forgot that Russia had actually invaded a neighboring country. 
because everybody was taken up on Will Smith um, slapping Chris Rock. And, you know, there was so much rhetoric going on about this. You know, why did he do that? Was it right? Was it justified? It was horrible. And, you know, and everybody was going crazy about the whole thing. Um, but when I saw that, when I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about there are times where, where we need to have spiritual anger. If we're going to, you know, if we're going to reap the results of what Jesus died for on the cross for us to have, we have to have spiritual anger. And, um, and, and, you know, sometimes we live in a culture right now where the word hater is the most abominable thing to be, to be labeled. Like, no one wants to be a hater because cancel culture is going to cancel you. Like, and, and if you have an opinion or a view about something, people will be quick to just say, you're a hater. Um, but you know what? I want to share something with you this morning that you probably don't know, that Jesus was a hater. And, um, and I can show you out of Scripture, this is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. And God is speaking about Jesus, and this is what he says. He says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of, of gladness above your companions. And I want you to see that while Jesus loved righteousness, he hated lawlessness. Like that's scripture. I'm not making it up, right? He hated lawlessness. And for him hating lawlessness, he had to have hated the lawless one, right? The prince of lawlessness, the one who started this whole pulling away from submitting to the God who created us. And in that sense, becoming lawless. Like I don't want God in my life to say anything about my life or to speak anything into my life. I'm going to be a law unto myself. And the Bible calls that lawlessness. And I want you to see that where God says, because you love righteousness, and we love to love. We think that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. And you hated law. Well, we hate to hate. We don't want to hate anything. But he did. He hated lawlessness. And it says, because you did that, I have anointed you. And I want you to see the correlation between a spiritual anger and hatred against the lawlessness of the lawless one and the anointing of God that absolutely does profound things in our lives like some of these youth were talking about earlier. So let's look at the next scripture in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says this, be sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, hello, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got an enemy. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion. Didn't say he was a roaring lion. Say he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. In other words, like we're all in this together, right? We all have an enemy of our soul. We have an adversary. Um, we have this one that goes about like a roaring lion trying to devour people. Therefore, we have to be like kind of sober in our thought and, and, and be on the alert because this is, a re this is a reality. This is something that is happening and people are being picked off one by one, not even knowing who their enemy is. And if you know anything about military tactician, you, you know that you have to be able to name your enemy before you can ever have victory over him. You've got to name that. And so this is what we're doing this morning. So Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you, he's talking to the religious leaders. Imagine this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Jesus gets right in their face. And he says, you're of your father, the devil. 
That had to have been a moment in history to observe, right? You're of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that like I would want to pal around with a murderer. I just don't think that'd be good company, right? I, I heard this little story about this guy that was hitchhiking, and he gets picked up, and he sits in the car, and the first thing he says is he goes, must be weird to think that you might have just picked up a murderer. And the driver goes, listen, the chances would be very slim that a serial killer would ever pick up a murderer. <laughs> And just put things in perspective for the conversation. And so Jesus says, listen, he's a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And whenever he, listen to this, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks out of his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, so he is a murderer and he's going around seeking whom he can devour but he doesn't do it like rabbitly. He doesn't like literally come out from underneath your bed. Like remember when we were kids? Oh, there's something under my bed, you know, big horns and claws and fangs. And he's going to like, ah, that's not how he does it. He does it by lying. He does it by lying. He says that he's a murderer. He speaks lies out of his own nature. And then in John 10, 10, Jesus said this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so Jesus calls him, you know, the devil, a roaring lion, somebody who devours, he's a murderer, he does it through lying, and he comes to steal. Before he can kill you, before he can, you know, um, uh, uh, destroy you, he's got to lie to you. He's got to get you to believe his lies. And this is the MO, this is how he works. How does this happen? Well, the name devil in the Greek is the word diabolos, and it literally means a slanderer. That's words. That's the use of words. I'm going to slander you. And then Satan literally means the accuser. Again, words. He's going to lie. He's going to slander you through lies. He's going to accuse you through lies. And he's going to get you into a position of fear. Now, there's some of you here this morning. You're fearful. You have anxiety. You worry. Maybe you get discouraged. Maybe you, you're depressed and you don't know how to get out of that. I'm going to share that with you this morning. Because when he gets you in a position of fear, he'll get you to make mistakes. Because that's what fear does. Fight or flight. We just saw that picture of Will Smith, right? What was that? He fought. He got fearful that his wife's reputation was being tarnished, and he lashed out in anger, and he slapped. And sometimes you and I, we got to slap the devil down. we got to slap him down. I want God to do that for me. God did everything for you when he sent Jesus to the cross to die for you. Now he expects you to kind of do some stuff too. You're going to get angry enough to where you're going to slap the devil down in your life. Otherwise, you're going to start believing his lies. And he's going to move into your life with fear. Now, there's a fish off uh, the coast of New England called a blowfish. And, you know, it's an average size fish, and it's probably this big around. But when you grab it and shake it, that thing will blow up like five times its normal size. Its lips will roll back, and you'll see nothing but teeth. It is a hideous, disgusting-looking thing called a blowfish. Completely harmless. Just looks terrifying. So when I was like 17 years old, I'm diving off of Nubbles Light in the wintertime. I'm doing my last qualifying dive to become a certified scuba diver. We're down about 40 feet. You need to know something about diving off of the coast of New England. You don't see for hundreds of feet, like when, you know, in the islands or off the coast of Japan. If you can see from here for that wall, that's a crystal clear day. 
mostly you can't see the length of your arm. That's usually what you dive in. The waters are murky. It's horrible. So we're down about 40 feet. The waters are murky. The diving instructor, for some reason, is beside me. Because there's like about six other divers down there. He's beside me. Now, I know he's there because I can kind of see his silhouette in the murk. But I don't know what he's doing. Well, he found a blowfish. And he grabbed that sucker and he shook it up good. And then, boom, he put it that far off of my face mask. And I want you to know that I did not panic. My wetsuit got strangely warm, but I didn't panic. Right? And so this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to just frighten you with stuff that, for the most part, is harmless, but it gets into our spirit, and we start getting into fear, because if we panic, we're going to make bad decisions, and those bad decisions are going to come back and haunt us, right? So fear, anxiety, worry, discouragement, depression, these are all things that affect us that are all coming from him and his lies, I've never seen so many people with PTSD. Now, I'm not knocking that. I'm not saying it's not a real thing. But a lot of times people just, you know, somebody just looks at them and say, you're wearing that. And like, oh my gosh, you got PTSD. It's like, oh, okay, we got to get past some of that stuff, right? We got to understand what's going on in the realm of fear. But there's so many people, and especially as little kids, they're depressed, they're discouraged. We bring them to the doctor, something wrong with Junior. Oh, well, he's depressed. Here's some medications. And the next thing you know, they get coded as having certain problems that now gives them their identity to who they think they are, and that's who they live for the rest of their life. And that's not what God has for his children. That's not what God has for his family. God has something so much better, so much more powerful than that. And that's the, And you know what happens? Is people start receiving that, claiming that, and literally saying, well, I'd like to go to that party, but my anxiety is acting up. Why would you say it's yours? I would like to go out with you tonight, but my depression has got me, you know, why would you even say it's yours? It's like Satan's got this little cat called depression, and he's like, oh, hey, you know what? You should have this little cat because it'll comfort you. Nobody will understand you like depression, and it'll just be you and depression, and it's your little cat. And we take that and we say, oh, my depression, you know, I just can't. And we need to just take that sucker and I rip his head off and spit it out and say, I'm not going to have that thing in my life. I don't want to have that. I'm not going to have Now, listen, you say, you say well, oh, you know, can you, can you prove that, like, God doesn't use that? I, the Bible can in 2 Timothy 1, 7, because look what it says. God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if you're wrestling with fear or worry or anxiety or depression or discouragement, it ain't coming from God. My mom, if there were trophies, she would have got the biggest worrier in the world. My mom worried if there wasn't something to worry about. I mean, she would worry about everything. It was like, of course, you know, and then she had three sons, and we gave her plenty to worry about. Like, oh, don't worry, Mom. You know, we're good. Because she was very modest, very proud. Like, you know, don't go acting up because you're Louise Bossy's kid. So what would we do? We'd go downtown Portsmouth, get three sheets to the wind, absolutely drunk, go down the streets and the housing places screaming, we're Louise Bossy's kids. Because we were jerks. <laughs> That's what jerks do. So, so, so here's the thing. This is, why, this is why it's either fear versus faith. 
You can't have fear and faith at the same time. It's like magnetic. It's like a magnet that repels each other. Either faith will drive out fear or fear will drive out faith. They don't operate the same time. That's why he said, resist him in your faith. Resist him in your faith. So you have to have that faith to resist. And that's why he said, be of sober spirit, because you've got to think clearly. People who are drunk aren't thinking clearly. I've seen it. Hey, hold my beer. I can dry. I can climb up that 60-foot tree and, and dive in that five-gallon pill of water. Watch this. You know, it's like, no, you can't, right? And so he's saying, listen, think about this. This is how it works. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. God walks with Adam, his perfect creation, in the cool of the day every day. And then one day, Adam's not there. And God says, Adam, where are you? I think that the omniscient, all-knowing God of the universe knew where Adam was. I think God wanted Adam to know where Adam was. And so he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, I heard you walking in the cool of the day, and I became afraid because I was naked. And God asks a second question. Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Because right at that point, man, when you understand the dispensations of God working with humanity, man went from the dispensation of innocence to the dispensation of conscience. And God says, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were ugly? I literally had a woman come up to me at the, at the first service and she said, my dad. She goes, when we were little kids, we all got like in little costumes and my dad said, oh, you're so beautiful. How come you're so ugly? Who told you you were ugly? Who told you that you'd never be a good parent? Who told you that you're not worth anything? Who told you that you'd never know love again? Who told you that this is all there is? Who told you that your dream was not valid? Who told you that you were naked? Who gets to tell you who you are? Is it parents? Is it teachers? Is it peers? Is it bullies? Who gets to tell you who you are? Because see, what God is saying is God saying, who told you that there was something outside of me that you needed? Who tells us that there's something better than God that we need? And I would rather go after that than go after the one who says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And what you're living may not be the abundant life that God has for you if you're bound up with discouragement or depression or anger or fears or worries or all of these things. God wants to break that kind of stuff out of your life. How do you do it? Well, you have to, first of all, find out what is truth. Because you see, in Christ, you are not worthless. In Christ, you are not hopeless. In Christ, you are not dumb or ugly or forgotten. See, when I was a kid, I was told that I was stupid so many times that I believed it. And I, would, I was so fearful of being in the company of people that if people talked to me, I couldn't even talk back. I was so fearful that I would, that I would stutter. And you say, well, how did you get from there to where you are now? Well, one day I was reading the Bible, and Romans chapter 8 said, if God is for you, who can be against you? And that absolutely, that one nugget of truth transformed my life. Because all of a sudden I was thinking, 
if God is for me, who cares what anybody else thinks? I don't care. And it set me free. It absolutely set me free and, um, and, and began to change, change my life. And so here God's saying, you are not naked. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet says here in Isaiah 61 verse 10. I will rejoice greatly in my Lord, my soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. I'm not naked. I'm not stupid. I'm not fearful. I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not any of these things because of what he did. And that's what you have to slap the devil down with. You're no match against the devil or his demons on your own. But when you take the truth of the scriptures, when you take the truth of the word of God, he is no match for you. And you've got to take the things that God says about you and you have to speak them out to him. Whose identity are you going to accept? Jesus once said, the kingdom of God suffers violence and violent people take it by force. So this is where anger comes in. You've got to get angry at the one who's trying to tell you you're fearful. You've got to get angry at the one who's trying to tell you you're depressed and you'll never change. You've got to get angry at the one that says you'll never get free of that addiction or that bondage. You've got to get angry. You've got to slap that sucker down. You've got to slap him down. Whose anger are you going to accept? We find this scripture in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. The Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. I put my words in your mouth. In other words, start speaking God's word, what he says about you. The Bible is filled with verse after verse after verse after verse about God telling you who he thinks you are, about God telling you who actually you really are in Christ. And that's the kind of stuff that we now get a new identity of what he says about us, and then we speak that out. And when we do, things happen, because just a few verses later, it says in Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. When you start speaking God's word about who he says you are, he says, I'm going to watch over that to perform it. But you've got to slap that sucker down. You've got to get angry. Like Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. It sounds like an arrogant statement. But he knew who he was in Christ, and he knew who Christ was in him. He's like, I can do all things through Christ. David, what did David do? Here's a, here's a mountain range. The, the Israelites are here. There's a valley. The Philistines are over there. And every day for 40 days, the giant Goliath comes out nine feet tall, and he mocks their God. I defy by you, by your God, Israel. Send a champion out to fight me and I'll take his head off. Every day. And the Israelite soldiers are hearing the lies of the enemy and they're shaking in their boots. And all of a sudden, a little 15-year-old David comes walking in. He's already secretly been anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the next king of Israel. There's a kingly anointing in him. And he's like, hey, 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 hey. Who's that guy? Oh, he's a champion. Nobody can go against him. Well, what happens to the guy who goes against him? Well, he's going to be made a general in the army. He's going to get the king's daughter, and he'll never have to pay taxes again. That third one's got my attention. <laughs> and David goes out, and what does he say? He looks at him, and he says, your day's up. Your day's up. I'm taking you down. He started slapping him down. He started speaking Things that he knew about his God. And what did the enemy, the enemy's not a pushover. Goliath came back and said, who are you, you little punk? You're nothing but a little dog. Come to me and I'm going to feed your corpse to the birds of the sky. And then David gets even madder. 
And he's like, oh, yeah? You come at me with seal, sh- uh, sword and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts who you're mocking. I'm taking your head off of your body today. And boom. It happened. People say, well, pastor, you know, I have dreams, spiritual dreams, nightmares. And, and I wake up and, and, and I feel like it's, it's, like it's real. It's, you know, the enemy's after it. No one has more nightmares than I do. You don't think I get scathed. I mean, half of them are just about my life. They're nightmares. But I have nightmares like you wouldn't believe, usually on Saturday nights. I have nightmares that I'm stuck in this big room with like a buffalo that's like after me. And I, like, I, it's so fearful. Or, or like a, 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 an ox or a, like a bull. And like big, an, I, I don't like big animals. You know, my, my dad and my sister had horses. I'll stick the motorcycles that I can control. Right here, baby. Twist the wick. And that's what I'm doing. Don't like, I don't like animals bigger than me. I don't even like squirrels. <laughs> Hands down, right? Then I have nightmares of demonic beings. And like they're in my presence and I want to say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And all I can do is go, uh, 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 I can't get anything out in my dream. It's such a trial. You probably had dreams like that. And then Darlene will make, wake me up. She's like, what is wrong with you? And I wake up I'm like, what? She goes, you're sitting over here going, uh, uh, uh. I'm like, well, that's because that's the only thing that's coming out in the dream. And she goes, like, you're nuts. You know, I'm like, well, I, I don't know. You know, and then I'll look at her and say, well, you can give me some of your sleeping pills. And she say, knock yourself out. <laughs> no, listen, that's just a joke. She doesn't take sleeping pills, something about the way it reacts with the alcohol. So, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, come on. Just kidding. Just kidding. I said that in first service. She met me between services. She said, where are you taking me for lunch? Anywhere you want to go. So, so this is what's happening. because So there's a story about Martin Luther, and nobody even knows if it's real, but it's something that happened. And, and you know, Martin Luther, a Catholic monk that rebelled against the Catholic Church, said there's a lot of craziness there, and he rebelled against it. He started the, the, the Reformation and the Protestant movement, the Lutheran Church, Martin Luther. There's a story that Martin Luther was sleeping in his room one night, and he was awakened by a big bang. He was awakened, and he sat up in his bed, and there was Satan standing in his bedroom. And he looked at him, and he said, oh, it's only you. I thought it was a burglar. <laughs> right? I mean, that's smoke and mirrors. So, Pastor, what do you do when you have nightmares? I wake up. <laughs> I wake up and say, oh, it was a dream. It's not reality. The enemy can mess with you when you're sleeping sometimes. Now, God can give you dreams. The busyness of the day, the Bible says, can give you dreams. The enemy can give you dreams. And that pepperoni pizza at 11 o'clock will definitely give you dreams, <laughs> right? So you've got to put things in perspective. So what do you do when you have nightmares? I just wake up the next morning and say, wow, that was a horrible dream. It's not reality. It was just a dream. And so I keep on going with life. The power of spiritual anger gets you to hate what the enemy is trying to do in your life. You start hating that fear. You start hating that anxiety. You start hating that worry. You start hating that depression. Hey, wait, I don't have to have this depression. Sometimes I can get depressed. I'm not, now, let me just frame this, okay? Everybody gets depressed. You get tired. You get overwhelmed by circumstances. Everyone gets depressed. You know, the average is a day, sometimes three days. Anything longer than that starts becoming what they call clinically depressed. And that's when you need to know, like, that's just an attack of the enemy. 
And, and, and like you gotta you gotta slap that stuff down. That's why he said, listen, you loved righteousness and you hated the lawlessness. You hated the lawlessness of the lawless one. The the lion that's seeking to devour you. He's trying to put that stuff on you. He's trying to make it make you believe that it's part of your identity. It's who you are. Mm. It is not. It is not. Smith Wigglesworth was a great British evangelist, an illiterate plumber that had one of the most outstanding healing ministries ever. And he was standing at a bus terminal one day waiting for a bus. And this woman comes out of her apartment, and her little thiefy dog comes out behind her. <laughs> and she turns around, and she says, no, 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 thiefy, you go back inside. And the dog's like, ah. She goes, no, thiefy, you go. I was like, uh, wagging his tail. Finally, she goes, get And the dog takes off like a rocket. And Smith Wigglesworth goes, that's the way you got to do the devil. You got to put your foot down sometimes and say, get I'm going to slap you down. What did Jesus say? Hey, if you're the son of God, turn this bread into rocks. It is written. Slap that sucker down. He can't stand in the truth. That's truth. It is written. We live by God's word. And he spoke God's word. It is written. Now, I want, I want to show you this verse. That is, it's interesting. We're going to unpack this, okay? So will it be that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulders, his yoke from around your neck. The yoke will be broken because of fatness. And we're like, we read something like that, and we're like, like what? We're like, what is that even saying? Like, you know, if that's the case, I'm pretty sure I've broken a lot of yolks in my day, you know, <laughs> and I'm not talking about eggs. So, but we look at another verse, right? We look at the, the, the New King James, and it says this. It shall come to pass in that day, his burden will be taken away from your shoulders, yoke from around your neck. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So it's a hard word to translate from the Hebrew into English because the anointing means expansion. It means fatness. It means enlargement. It means the kingdom of God comes, and when that happens, there's an expansion. Now, the neck is the part of the body that separates the body from the head. The neck is the part where Satan tries to separate you, the body of Christ, from the head, which is Jesus. And he yokes you trying to separate you from God. But when you start saying who you are in God, there is an anointing that comes. He says, you've hated lawlessness. You were angry with it. You resisted it in your faith. And the anointing comes and there's an expansion and it breaks that off of you and it keeps you connected with Jesus, keeps you connected with Christ. And that's so important that we understand that. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, I love this verse, you know of Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him. Why? Because we saw in the other verse that he hated lawlessness. And God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all of those oppressed of the devil. What's the devil doing? He's just oppressing people. He'll try to possess people. I've seen that. I've seen the whole exorcist thing. I've talked about that before in other sermons. I've prayed for people and seen demons literally just start manifesting, right? But, 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 there's a, but the most way is just oppression through fear, depression, discouragement, bad identity because we're believing the lies and we start thinking less of ourselves than God would want us to think of ourselves. And that, and that needs to be broken. It's broken by the power of the Holy Spirit as we follow the... Now, here's the thing. You've got to follow the Holy Spirit. You've got to do what he says. He's not going to do what you say. You don't go to McDonald's and drive up to the drive-up window, and the lady says, good morning. You're going to have a filet of fish sandwich, small fries, and a container of milk. 
but I wanted a Big Mac. Well, I'm sorry. Today you're having the filet of fish. And you know, you don't go there and they tell you what you're going to get. You would say, hey, I'll see you later, lady. You know, I'm going to go to Burger King or something. Like, you're off your rocker, right? It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We don't tell him. He tells us what's going on, and we get in line with that. But no move of the Spirit, no anointing. No anointing, no broken yoke. No standing on the Word of God, no move of the Spirit. You've got to somewhere stand on what the Word of God says about you. I've not, God, you know what God's saying? God's like backing up and he's like, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. If you're wrestling with fear and anxiety, it's coming from the lawless one. And you're never going to beat that down until you start getting angry about where it's coming from. Because when you get angry enough about where it's coming from, you're going to start slapping that down and saying, hey, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want, I'm not going to take that. You're not going to put that on me. I'm not going to take that. The Hebrew word for the word spirit is the word rach. And it's translated a lot of different ways. It's translated as the wind, rach. The spirit of God, Jesus said, is like the wind. You don't see it where it's coming or where it's going, but you see it's motion. We see things that the spirit of God does. These kids saw something at youth convention. But the, you don't see the spirit doing it, right? The spirit of God is also translated breath. God breathed into Adam, rach. Spirit is also translated life. Spirit is also translated spirit. And spirit is also translated anger. Isn't that crazy? The book of Job says this, Job 15, verse 13, that you should turn your spirit against God and allow such words to go out from your mouth. That word spirit, depending on what version you read, is also translated that says that you should turn your anger against God, that you should turn your rage against God, that you should turn your attack against God. Rach, it's the same word. But see here, they're slapping the wrong person. I don't know how many people I've met that are angry at God, mad at God. He let me down. He didn't come through when I wanted him. He wasn't there when I needed him. God caused this to happen, and you're slapping the wrong person. You're biting the hand that feeds you. It's not God. God says, hey, listen, it's the devil that kills, steals, and destroys. I've come to give you life. God anointed Jesus who went about healing those oppressed of the devil, right? We, can, we need to know who's doing what. Because there's a lot of stuff that Satan's doing that we're just kind of oblivious to because he's a master liar. The good thing about a liar is that they can sow a lie and not be found out. Because otherwise you'd know that person's a liar. And you wouldn't trust him or believe him. That's what deception is. Deception is deception because it's deceptive. You don't know that it's happening. So we have to have that spiritual anger against the lawless one. But towards people, we have to have compassion. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's not about that one or that group or that sector. That you know, It's not. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, Seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Why were they dispirited? Why were they dispressed? Because they're listening to the lies of the enemy somewhere in their life. And Jesus was moved with compassion on them. So the anointing flows out against the devil with anger. I'm going to slap him down with the truth of the word of God. That, that's the sword of the spirit, Paul said in Ephesians chapter. I'm going to stick him with the word of God. That's the only thing because he can't stand in the truth. Controlled anger. Like when somebody has an anger tantrum, it's like a million gallons of water just going blah all over everybody, and nobody wants to be around that, right? They're like, Phew. 
But when you can control that into a one-inch fire hose, you can shoot water 600 feet and hit the target that you need to hit. And a perfect illustration of that is Abraham Lincoln. When Abraham Lincoln was a senator, he saw a slave being beaten in, in, front, in his presence. And his anger rose up and he said, I'm going to do something about that. He didn't kill the guy like Moses did. Moses killed the Egyptian, buried his body in the sand. Moses had an anger problem. He, he did. That's why he couldn't go in the promised land. He struck the rock because he was mad. Right? But Abraham Lincoln said his anger rose up. He said, I'm going to do something. Jesus. Jesus goes into the temple and he sees the money changers. And they're ripping the people off. John, you need a lamb? 100 bucks. But I'm Roman, so I have Roman money. 150 bucks. Oh, you need, a, you need a dove for sacrifice, Annie? 25 bucks. But I'm Greek. I only have Greek money. Oh, well, then it's 30 bucks. They were, ripping, they were scamming their own people, ripping them off. And Jesus saw that. And the Bible says Jesus became angry. But then you know what it says? It says he sat down and he braided a whip. So it wasn't a tantrum. He knew what he was doing. And then he takes the whip and he drives them all out. He says, my father's house is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And he drives them out. Paul, Paul goes to Athens. And these people are steeped in their paganism. They got statues everywhere to all their Roman Greco gods. They even had a statue that said to the unknown God. And Paul is grieved and he's angered. And he says, oh, hey, you know what? Let me talk to you about this unknown God that you guys don't even know. He's the God of all gods. He's the God of creations. He's the God of... Of, and father of the Lord Jesus Christ who brought it. And he starts preaching to them. Controlled anger. I was in Jamaica for a two weeks mission trip. I'm 25 years old. I'm in Jamaica. And they take us out into the jungle. And listen, it is so dark. There's no ambient light anywhere. It is so dark. I'll never forget it because it was a place called Duncan's Gate. Duncan's Gate was one dirt road that intersected with another dirt road out in the jungle, out in the sticks. And somebody that had a generator way up on the hill, they must have run like 100 extension cords, and they had a 100-watt light bulb hanging over the, the, this intersection. And they're like, hey, Ken, you're preaching tonight. And I look around, and I see about 150 people. And Pastor Rob, who's the national pastor, he goes, oh, no, no. He goes, there's like another four or 500 people in the shadows. They're not going to make themselves seen, but trust me, they're out there. They're listening. And I get up there. I'm 25 years old. I got this little sermon that I'm going to preach, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I get up there, and I just open my Bible and start warming up, and pink, the light bulb goes out. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And immediately, I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, this is the first time I sense the, the, the anointing, and it was an anger. I got so mad at the devil. I went off on a 45-minute tyrant of what it means to live under spiritual darkness. And right when I moved into the, uh, the altar call, ping, the light came on. I gave the altar call, and 40 people came forward. Just that's, that's when it's so cool. That's when it's so awesome. So I got this. Um, this, is something that, this is something that just happened. Uh, I wanted to share this with you because I thought it was so timely. So Sandy Dennis was in first service. Sandy Dennis was out in California visiting family for like the last three months or whatever. And I knew she was out in California. So I get this instant message from Sandy Dennis. And it says, good morning. Hope you're doing well. Uh, please, can I ask you for quick help? I'm like, doesn't sound like Sandy. So I'm like, what's up? Glad to hear from you. I'm sorry to bother you with my problems. I've been on a sick bed. I'm sick with the flu. Thank God it's not the virus. I'm having some issues getting gift cards online for my niece because it's her birthday, and I don't have any luck with that. Could you please help me get cards 
Apple cards, two, $100 each, because that's what she asked for. Um, and you can get them and then scratch off the strip on the back, get the pin and the code numbers, take pictures of them, and send them to me so I can get her her gifts in time. And then when I get better, I'll pay you back. Yeah, so you know what's going on, right? So I just started like seeing red. I'm like, you thieving. So instead, I'm like, this is an opportunity. So I'm like, you should go to the doctors. That's probably COVID. It's going around, you know. They come back. Yes, I will. Please, I need your help for the gift cards. I promised them, and I'm down, so I don't want to bother. Could you please? I come back. I'm not good at that kind of thing. I don't even know what an Apple gift is. Can I just mail you money? Please, you can do this for me. Go to CVS, Walmart, Target, Burger King, Subway, etc. Get an Apple card. They will sail to you. And, um, and let me know when you get them, and I will show you what to do. Please, it's really easy. I only want to give the present, not cash, as requested from the gift card. Please help. I come back. Sandra, this is so typical of you always thinking of others. I says, you know what? I'm concerned about your health condition. You might have COVID. You need to go see a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally jerking their chain right now. They come back. Yes, I promise you I've made arrangements with the doctor. Please do this for me with the card. I promise her. Please, thank you so much. I come back. Of course I can help you. This Sunday's Easter Sunday. This is when Jesus came to bring us salvation. They come back in bold. Yes, I do. Thank you so much. Am relieved. Now, please, can you help with the gift cards? I come back again. Yes, of course I can. You know, Sandra, salvation is for those who believe and obey. But I believe there's only wrath and judgment for bottom-dwelling, slime-eating, fart-sucking, <laughs> low-life crooks and thieves that rob poor, unsuspecting people. I wouldn't want to be somebody like that, would you? And then I got this funny notification. This person is unavailable on Messenger. Sandra blocked me. I was like, what did I say? Oh. We need to get we need to get mad at spiritual blindness, at sickness, at death, at poverty, at slavery, at bondage, at sorrow, at heartache. It's all coming from the enemy. And we need to get mad enough to stand up and be willing to slap him down. That we get up, that we walk that aisle, that we go on the platform, and sl not this platform, and slap the devil down. Right? You've got to get mad. If you're wrestling with depression, get mad at where it's really coming from. It's not you. You've got fear, anxiety, worry. Get mad at where it's coming from. It's not you. The enemy is just trying to sell it to you and have you take it as your identity. It's not your identity. Your identity is that you're a son and a daughter of God. And so look at God wants to anoint you. God wants to anoint you. But here's four quick steps, all right? Number one is find out what the Word of God says about who you are. Go into the Scriptures, read the New Testament, and find out all the verses where God says, this is who you are in me. Read Ephesians chapter 1 or Romans chapter 8. It'll give you more than what you know what to do with about who you are in Christ. Secondly, be moved with compassion for people, but anger at the devil. Don't, don't get that mixed up. 
All right. Thirdly, set your face like a rock and don't budge off of his word. Hit him with the word and stand there. And then fourth, pray, 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 because prayer is like a sponge that soaks up the anointing. And that's why Jude says in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith because you're resisting him in your faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then begin to do some slapping. Begin to do some slapping. We're going to end right now, and this is how I want us to end. Whatever it is you're wrestling with this morning, maybe it's a physical thing, maybe it's a mental thing, uh, maybe it's fear, worry, anxiety, maybe it's depression and discouragement. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's not doing you good, let's ditch it. And so I want us to stand. We're going to sing the words of this song. We've done it before. I speak Jesus. And as we sing this song, I want you to worship God and let's do that. And then we will close. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we know that the enemy just doesn't give up easy, but that's why we need to have a spiritual anger that we set our face in a battle and we lock horns and we don't let go until we have the victory. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning that wrestles with any of these things, the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the depression, the discouragement, anger, whatever it might be, Lord, that you would break that yoke from their neck this morning, that you would give them this spiritual key to victory of spiritual anger, that they would realize that there are things that come into our lives that are not even from us and not definitely from you, O oh God, that we are to resist firm in our faith, and then we see the victory. And then we have the life and the life more abundantly that you've come to give us, Lord. So bless your people. Break oppression from them. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone said amen and amen and amen and amen. Hey, go and walk in the victory that Jesus has purchased for you.